have your Bible, just want to encourage you to open it, maybe on your app. This is our verses for this month. We are doing a, a, a series on gratitude, being thankful, thanksgiving. It's very appropriate for the month, but we want to be people that live in this kind of attitude. First Thessalonians says to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I know in my life, I'm praying all the time, God, what's your will and what should I do? And here it is in black and white, what God's will is for my life, that I would rejoice always and be constantly in communication with him. And no matter if the circumstance is good or bad, I'm giving thanks in the circumstance, not always for the circumstance, but in the circumstance. Thanksgiving, gratitude impacts our life. It makes a difference in who we are. As scientists, as, as a professional study, human behavior and human psychology, they have done studies and many of them, you can research it. If you Google it, all this stuff is going to come up. And whether they're coming at it from a faith perspective or just from a, a clinical perspective of studying people, they find that those who give gratitude, those who live in a thankful way, they practice gratitude that it impacts them in every aspect of their life. So there's studies like they take a group of people and they ask these people to keep a journal of all the good things they're thankful for. And at the end of the day, they write that journal. And then these people, they don't tell them to do that. And they study them for months and then they find out how they're doing. Or they, there's other ones where they ask them to send thank you notes to people on a daily or weekly basis. Or there's, there's other ones where they ask people to write down all the things they're worried about. And then they find out that has negative impact on your life. So some of the studies have shown these things. They've shown that there are psychological benefits. I got this off of Positive Psychology, one of their websites. It says it can make a happier you psychologically. It can affect you to have positive emotions and thoughts. You'd be more aware and awake. Lord, we just pray that over all these people who have to listen to me today. Increase self-satisfaction, enhance mood. There are physical benefits. You get stronger immune system. Can you believe that God has created your body in such a way that when you are thankful and you practice thanksgiving in your life, it impacts your immune system? That's amazing. Uh, there's less body pains and aches. Oh, Lord, I just haven't been thankful enough. There's optimum blood pressure, cardiac functioning. You're kidding me. Gratitude affects my heart. There's better sleep and wake cycles. Social benefits, you communicate better with people. You have more empathy. You've got stronger interpersonal relationships, more likability among your group members. So that's at work. The person who's grateful practices gratitude. That's the person everybody doesn't mind being in the office with. And then those of us that struggle with gratitude, we're the ones they see us coming and people are like, oh, don't be around him. It's going to go downhill from there. There's some definitions that psychology gives us for gratitude, and they define it in some ways as a positive emotional response that we perceive, we actually see it in our lives when we give or when we receive a gift from someone. Gratitude, according to Emmons and McCullough in a 2004 study, is associated with personal benefit when you were given something that you weren't intentionally seeking after. So a note of gratitude, a text that you got. Someone said thank you. You weren't expecting it. Someone gave you something. It's something that wasn't sought after or deserved or earned, but because of the good intentions of another person, you felt gratitude 
Or you might have been the person giving that to someone else. It's tangible. And so we want to be people of gratitude. There's a quote by a Methodist uh, prayer leader, William Arthur Ward from Texas. He was on staff at Texas Wesleyan University. He led the men's prayer group in some of their ministries. He said this, God gave you 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one of them to thank you? Powerful. I wanted to make sure he wasn't lying, so I got my calculator out on my phone and try to remember how many seconds are in a minute, minutes in a day. He was right. I was telling my wife about this. I said, how impactful to word it that way. He could have said, you got this many minutes in a day. Have you taken one? But that I sometimes could live my life in a day without even one second thanking the Lord. Oh, I don't want to live that way. Psychologists define thanksgiving and gratitude in one way, but the Bible takes it to a higher level. The Bible says in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, but it takes the focus off of the person receiving or feeling the gratitude and puts the focus on the giver of all good things, God. And the focus doesn't just become, man, I feel better because I received that or I'm grateful for that, but I'm grateful because of you, Lord. And so it's a higher vision. It's not just about the positive effect it could have on my heart or my sleep, but I'm in a relationship with a God who loves me and it turns my attention to him. And so we want to think about being a people of gratitude. You're thankful people. You're great people. You're the best of the best. In Caldwell County, I saw your name in the paper. It was you guys. You're the people people want to be around. You're the people fighting for what's good and right in life. But I think all of us could probably say, you know what, I could take a step further in being a person of gratitude. So we're looking at that. We looked at that last week, the position of gratitude. We looked at the 10 lepers. There's 10 men with leprosy, outcasts from society. Jesus encounters them on a road. He heals them. They walk to show themselves to the priest, and one of them turns around and finds himself at Jesus' feet. The position of gratitude, gratitude will bring you back to Jesus. Instead of just walking in the blessing, you'll be walking with the blesser. Instead of telling people about what you're thankful for, you'll be telling the one who gave you what you're thankful for, thank you. Instead of just walking and talking about Jesus, the position of gratitude will take you to talking and walking with Jesus. We looked at that verse that says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. It is a positioning action. It takes us from where we were and brings us closer to Jesus when we thank him. And we find in this story that it's more common to walk being thankful than to walk with the one who gave us what we're thankful for. Nine out of ten in this story, and I think it's in my life, human nature, just the flow of life would have me tell you what I'm thankful about more than I would tell Jesus thank you to his face. Something in our human nature, it's the part of us that needs saving. It's just easier to be blessed than to walk with the blesser. And so we want to take that and we want to move our energy and the motion of our body and the effort of our strength, and we want to position ourselves In gratitude, if you feel far away from the Lord, and feelings are real, but they come from thoughts, and the thoughts are where we battle. 
If you feel far away from the Lord, you need to just thank Him. Just start thanking Him for individual things and it will reposition you. You'll be at His feet like the leper was at His feet. Today, it's been prophesied in our church today by the youth pastor that we'll get out on time. Did y'all hear that? So I'm going to work for that really quickly. The posture of gratitude. So the position of gratitude is that it'll bring you close to Jesus. But what's the posture of gratitude? Well, I encourage you to look through the Bible at people who fell at Jesus' feet. I found one, the woman with the issue of blood. I'd like to read you her story. We call her the woman with the issue of blood because she had a medical condition. She was always bleeding in in a, a medical way. It made her be secluded. Religiously, she was ceremonially unclean. She, like the lepers, was outcast, confined to her home. And she encountered Jesus one day. And I want to look at the posture of her life. Let's read her story. As Jesus went with him, Jesus is walking with a man to go to his house to heal his daughter. And as he's walking with that man on the way to his house to see his daughter who was dying, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. I felt the healing power go from me. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble. She fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This lady has a name, but we don't know it. She's called the woman with the issue of blood because that's how the condition she found Jesus in. But she's somebody else. The Bible says in Revelation, we get a name on a white rock given to us if we overcome. I wonder what Jesus' name for this lady was. On earth, it was daughter. He called her daughter. He healed her and repositioned her in the family of God. From outcast to included. What is her position? The position or the posture of gratitude. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble. She fell to her knees in front of him. The posture of gratitude. It starts in this lady's life with trembling. We have to be careful not to be so nonchalant about the Lord. Because he's a loving father and we can just run into the holy of holies and say, Daddy or Abba, Father, there's this commonness or this ease that we were once far away and now we're brought close to God. But if we're not careful, we can get so easy that Jesus is our homeboy or the man upstairs or the wheel in the sky or the pie in the sky or the 
the, the great this or that or the, these names. That, and there was a trembling in this lady as she was healed and as gratitude was taking over in her life. There was an awestruckness. There was an awesomeness about it. There was a, you're God, and you can do something in me that no one else could do. And you can take away my suffering in a moment where I couldn't get it healed for 12 years. There's a calling. He's saying, who touched me? She begins to tremble. There's so much going on in this lady's life. But it speaks to me about the awe and the reverence. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, that maybe sometimes I've lost in my life because God makes me feel so at home with him that I forget with a breath he made the sun. And with a word, he can shatter nations or raise them up. There was a trembling. The posture of thanksgiving needs to start with the reverence with some kind of understanding that God is so much bigger than we are. I have this quote that I saw. I was encouraged by it off the Crazy Love uh, social media. Crazy Love is the ministry of Francis Chan. It says this, Know that even as you seek to understand the Spirit more, He's so much more and so much bigger than you'll be able to grasp. This is not an excuse to stop seeking to know Him. You know, God's so big, you can't know him, so why even try? No, no. But don't limit him to what you can learn about him. Hey, I know this about God, so this is what God's like. We used to call that putting God in a box when I was growing up. The point is not to completely understand God, but to worship him. What we do know about him leads us to worship. This lady didn't know how he healed her. She just knows she she was healed. And that caused thanksgiving and worship in her life. Let the very fact that you cannot know God fully lead you to praise Him for His infinite greatness and grandeur. The posture of gratitude is that we tremble before the Lord. I heard a man pray it, and I've taken it to be my prayer. I don't think I'm too far along in it, but he said, Lord, baptize me. In the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. God came down on the mountain at Sinai when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It said the mountain shook, thunder, lightning, smoke. The people who had been excited to go meet God on the mountain were now like, no, not going up there. Moses, you can go. And the Lord said, the Lord is only coming. And Moses said, the Lord's coming to test you that you would fear him and not sin against him. The fear of the Lord, understanding who He is and who we are and who we are not, keeps us from sinning. It's a rightful respect and awe. It's not a like I'm scared to death of God. It's a I realize who God is. I can't know Him fully, but He's God and I'm not. I probably don't need to be telling Him how to run His universe, but I can go sit on His lap and tell Him how I'm doing in it. I probably don't need to tell Him what is and what isn't, and the way things go, like he's outdated, but I can go sit on his lap and let him talk to me and comfort me. We can't fully grasp the Lord, but there needs to be a trembling in our life, or I want one in my life. Have I told you I'm back at the high school? Yeah, you've been whining about that every week. Who said that out? Tell me if this is true if you've ever been in a high school. There are some classes you're not going to mess with that teacher. 
You walked in that class and you were the best you've ever been. I mean, your mom wished the teacher was at your house. You walked in there and it was like, you didn't have a pencil, but you could make one appear magically. He's like, you took, no, yeah, just reliving it. I'm triggering some people right now. Sorry. There were other people, you know, it didn't matter what they said, that teacher said, nothing was going to happen. You could do whatever and you could do whatever, you know. I don't want to live before the Lord thinking because he's merciful and forgiveness that I can just walk around doing whatever. I need to walk in and go, this is the Lord's world. I'm the temple of the Lord. Oh, I need this message in my life to sink in, and I don't need the birds to come and steal it or the, the vines to choke it out. I need this message of the fear and the trembling of the Lord to impact me. Lord, I'm asking you, let it grow in my life that I may not sin against you. There needs to be a trembling. She fell at his feet, trembling. And so that's another posture of gratitude, kneeling. It comes from the word in Hebrew, barak. It means to kneel or to bless God as an act of adoration. To physically get down on your knees is already thanking God. When we lived in Mexico, there were an older generation had been taught, when you come into church, you go find your seat or you go to the altar. If you go to the altar or to your seat, you kneel down and you pray before you enter into everything else that's happening to service. People would get there early. They'd come to the altar or go to their seat. They'd turn around, they'd kneel, and they would pray. They'd come to church late. They would go to the altar or to their seat, and they would kneel down and pray. It was an an act of thanksgiving and reverence. They would kneel. They had been trained in that. Now, I know how life works. You can come to the altar and kneel, and your heart could be way somewhere else. You can go to your chair and kneel, and your mind can be way somewhere else. You'd be like, man, I didn't even want to come to church. Mom made me, and now I'm over here, and I better kneel because Grandma's going to pinch my ear if I don't. And oh, Lord, please don't let Matt talk so long. All right. Somebody's over there looking, and she's like, man, they got such great kids. They come in and kneel. I know your heart can be in a different place. But there is some kind of obedience in that. I know you can come in and forget to kneel and enter into worship and your heart could be as close to God as anybody else in this room. I know that the word of God says we don't judge from the outside. God looks at the heart. In fact, I'm not even supposed to judge. God is the judge. I don't need to critique your worship. But I want to ask you, is there a posture we could take, step into a little bit further that looks like kneeling, humbling ourselves? I must decrease so that he can increase. I'm bowing down, recognizing you're holy and I'm not. I'm positioning myself to receive from you. I'm not going to come tell you what it's like, Lord. You come tell me what it's like, Lord. I want to meet you in this place. There is a kneeling. This lady trembled and then fell. I don't think she could stand any longer. I think she was having so much going on in her life in a moment, I think it was just too much for her body to take. How much better to kneel from your voluntary will than to be knelt? Oh, but Lord, if it takes that, bend my knee, I'm asking you. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And the word says, I will kneel in adoration before the Lord at all times. In English, it just says, I will bless the Lord or praise the Lord at all times. But in Hebrew, it says, I will kneel before the Lord at all times. 
That means even when I'm walking in my job, I can have a position in my heart, a posture in my heart of kneeling before the Lord. Psalm 96.2 says, sing to the Lord and bless his name. And the word means kneel before him as a blessing to his name. There's a posture we can have. I'm talking to the choir, they say. I'm talking to the people who came to church. You are the people who kneel before the Lord. You are the people who honor God first. But is there more? Can we lean into more? Not to earn it. We're not earning anything from God. We're just posturing ourselves correctly before him because of who he is. It's a response. She knelt responding to what God was doing in her life. It it was a reaction. It wasn't, I'm going to do this so that God does more for me. It was like the reaction. We've already got enough to kneel before him for, right? We're not earning salvation or getting more stickers than somebody else on our holy chart. Like, yeah, I knelt down and CJ didn't. Yeah, I'll get a better parking place today than he will. No, this is confused. One songwriter, hymn writer said, we breathe in what God's done, his goodness, and we breathe out the praises. It's just a natural response. There's a posture of kneeling as opposed to a posture of bowing up, getting bigger. Well, you better stand on something, Matt, because you're not that big. I'm big on the inside. You ever been bowed up to? That's what those... Birds do, isn't it? They go, I'm bigger than you, fluff their feathers out. Oh, that we wouldn't be those kind of people. Oh, yeah, God? Well, if that's how you're going to answer my prayer. Oh, help us, Lord, that we would have a posture of kneeling. Look at this verse. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. In The song that says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he's our God. And we are his people that he watches over like the flock under his care. I encourage us today, find a way to posture yourself. You could posture your speech. You could posture your thought. You could posture your own body. And if someone comes in here next week and comes kneels at the altar, don't be looking at them. Don't be thinking, oh, yeah, he's doing that because he heard Matt talk about Mexico. Mm. Yeah, but I know. Saw him in H-E-B Wednesday. No, you asked about, ask your heart how it's postured. Ask your mind how it's postured. Ask your words how they're postured. Let's be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's get the log out of our eye before we go messing around with little dust specks in other people's eyes. I better get on because the prophecy has been prophesied. Craig, I'm inviting you to lunch today because I'm messing with you so much. Don't y'all love Craig? I do. I'm so thankful to the Lord. And I'm just glad I got the mic because he's much better at joking around and messing with me than I am with him. But She trembled and she fell to her knees in front of him. The Bible says we'll see him one day and we'll be changed because we see him face to face. There is something about being in front of Jesus instead of just behind him trying to touch him or hidden. Dear friends, it says, we already are God's children, but he hasn't quite shown us yet what we're going to be like in the end. He's making us into something. But we do know this, we're going to be like him when he appears. 
I don't know how much like Jesus you feel like, but you're not done yet. You're still in the oven. Those brownies aren't cooked yet. They're still a little mushy, but they're going to come out on that day when Jesus is in the sky and somebody's going to see you and go, wow, I had no idea. And you're going to go, me either. (laughs) But there's something transformational about looking in his eyes. She was in front of him. Her whole life was behind him. Way behind him. She couldn't even go to church. She wasn't allowed in the place of worship. She had to be, have different circumstances for her relationship with God. And she got some kind of boldness to call up God. Jesus is near. I've got to just touch him. I'm not going to bother him. I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to slow him down. If I could just touch him from behind and her faith healed her. But the Lord wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted her in front of him. Face to face. You feel like you're back. You got left. You missed the good old days. You blew it. You did something that got you out of God's grace. You're too far gone. If God gave you a seat, it would be on the back of the bus, and you'd just be glad to be on the back of the bus. If God let you come to the game, you wouldn't be in the stadium. You'd be watching it on the jumbotron outside, and you'd just be glad for that. No, the Lord wants you in front of him. He wants to look at you. He wants to see you. You don't believe me. Look at Scripture. In the Song of Solomon, a metaphor for the lover and the beloved, for you and Jesus, the bride of Christ, the bride and the bridegroom, Jesus looks at the bride, and he says, with one look from your face, you've captured my heart. I can't even hear that. I'm not even looking at this verse on the screen. I feel so dirty, so unlovable, so shameful, so much stuff. And it's not going to get off me unless I look into his eyes. The Bible says in John, in Revelation, John wrote in Revelation that his eyes were like fire. The kind of fire that likes is on a laser that cuts metal, that pierces. The, the fire like a, like a laser the surgeon used to clean up a cut and to solder a wound. The kind of fire, like when I looked at her the first time and just I said, I'm in love. I don't know what happened. But then times 20 and 10 and 100 and all the numbers. The kind of fire that changes things. Jesus looks at you. And he feels that way about you. Oh, that I could turn around and say the same back to him. We need to be in front of the Lord. If you aren't postured in front of God. Somebody else put you in the back of the line or you put yourself in the back of the line. I want to tell you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were God's first thought, not his last thought. He put put you together in your mother's womb, made you like what gave him pleasure. He is in love with you. She was trembling. She was kneeling. She was in front of him and she was talking to him. The posture of thankfulness Gratitude is that we are in conversation with Jesus. We're living our lives with access to God and talking to him less than we're talking to anybody else. I don't know. Maybe that's not you. It's sometimes me. I'm, I'm allowed to come into his presence and I don't, I don't take advantage of it. I don't go in there enough. She tells him his story, her story and everybody's listening. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. 
The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had immediately been healed. This is amazing. I need to, to, to meditate on this verse. She couldn't stay hidden because Jesus wasn't stopping asking. Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? No, come on, Peter's like, come on, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Look at this crowd. No, somebody touched me on purpose. I mean, Jesus is narrowing it down from the crowd to the inner group to the whatever. There's a person. I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for somebody. There's somebody here. Jesus knew, but she needed to know that he was after her. He wasn't going on even to the next most important thing until he saw her, until they talked. Sometimes I just want God to do the blessing so I can get on with stuff. And he goes, no, you will not bypass my love relationship with you. I love you so much, I will not keep walking. We are going to talk. Oh, I'm scared of that conversation. Why? He says, daughter. To the woman who was not a daughter, who was outcast, who thought her condition was a curse from God, who had been told she was less than everybody else. She didn't add up, and it was probably her fault. And he says, no, I call you daughter, and I'm not leaving even to go heal this other daughter until I look in your eyes, until we have a conversation, until the physical healing starts turning into emotional and spiritual healing. I'm not leaving until I get to look at you, Jesus might have said. Oh, Jesus is after you. Keep on running. Check back in with me and let me know how that's going. God's legs might be just this much longer than yours. He might be a little bit faster. He's already waiting for you on Monday if you don't want to listen to him today. He's not going anywhere until he has that chance to look you in the face. You are going to have to refuse him. Over and over and over again for him to leave you alone. In fact, it will have to be your last breath saying no to him. He is coming after you. He wants you. She realized I cannot stay hidden. Here's the thing that's grabbing me. She lived a hidden life. She in boldness and faith touched Jesus hiddenly. And she was about to go back healed, still hiding. That's good. What my idea, the Lord told it to me. Said, look at this lady, Matt. He, she's like you. You're putting yourself in seclusion for all the stuff you've done. You sneak up to touch me because you know I'm live. And then you go back in your self-confinement for all your mess. I want you healed. Daughter. Take your rightful place in my family. And then he lets her talk to him so that everybody else who knew she should have been in her house, not touching a rabbi, can hear her story. She's getting to make her confession face to face with him. I'm sure it was like, like those movies where everything blacked out and she's just right there with him. She's just trembling, shaking, looking at the fire in his eyes. She doesn't remember there's a thousand people anymore. But Jesus is like, tell your story, girl, because all of these accusers need to hear it because tomorrow you're going to be walking in the crowd, not hiding from the crowd. You have a new position. Your healing ain't just from the blood. It's from their accusation. It's from your own self uh, shame and pity. There's a new life for you. 
And we've got to talk face to face. You've got to hear it from me. She's talking to Jesus, and then of all things, Jesus talks back to her and says, daughter. And now everybody's heard it. The Messiah has called her daughter. So if you go around the neighborhood calling her anything else but daughter, you're denying what Jesus has said publicly about her. Oh, and that's a message to all the enemies in our mind that try to tell us who we are. No, the Lord has called us sons. The Lord has called us daughters. We've had a face-to-face experience with him. It was called our salvation. We were wounded and he healed us. We were lost and he found us. And he said, no, this isn't just going to be touch me like magic and go back to hiding. This is going to be touch me, have relationship with me, conversation with me, and now you're somebody else. You've got your new name, your rightful name, who I meant you to be. You were in this place and that's not the place I put you. I'm putting you back in your rightful place. Anybody want to upgrade their place? You want to go from second class to first class to God's class? God's already put you there. The Bible says we've been seated with him in heavenly places, that we were dead in our sins and now we're in life. We were an old creation. Now we're a new creation. There is verse after verse about who we are in Christ. Let's believe it. How are we going to believe it? He's got to say it to us. How is he going to say it to us? We got to kneel and tremble and look and listen and then talk. Yes. And it's not going to be easy. That's why some of you, you're feeling a little bit like, oh, yeah, he's not going to make that prophecy. But I'm feeling it stirring in me a little bit. How hard was it to just get to Jesus? She had to push through. The posture is also pushing through the stuff that's trying to argue with you right now. Well, that was for the lady that Jesus healed. That's not really for me. He doesn't like me that much. And no matter how much Matt yells, I, yeah, I don't know. I know the mess I've done. God couldn't really... I mean, he's going to save me and I'm going to get in there. I'll be last and I'll be smoking a little on the back, but I'll get through the door probably. No, daughter means you are the first in my life, born of me. I support you. I raise you. I teach you. I provide for you. I love you. I give gifts to you. I bring you in, not push you out. Daughter, you can't be called something better by God than daughter or son. I'm tired of carrying all these other names. The woman with the issue of blood. I'm saying it right now. In heaven, she's like, Matt, that's not my name. My name is daughter. Woo. What's your name? Child of God. Beloved of God. The one who ravishes his heart. You're not going to believe me telling you. But if you can posture yourself in trembling and posture yourself in kneeling, And posture yourself face to face. And posture yourself in conversation. God will talk to you and you'll talk to God and he'll convince you. Oh, it's not good enough, the Lord would say, to just get physically healed. To just touch him and get what you think you need and then go back to how it's always been. When she realized she could not stay hidden. Oh, that the Lord would let us realize today that his eyes roam throughout the earth looking for us, looking for our hearts to be fully committed to him, that he might empower us and enable us and strengthen us. There's no more behind the Lord. Posture yourself in front of him. How do you do that? In gratitude. In gratitude, you get postured in front of him. When you start taking the time I know this from this week. When you start taking the time to thank God, 
Your vision of him, he just gets bigger. You become in awe. The trembling will come. Just takes a minute. You'll begin to go, oh my goodness, I had, all, I had forgotten. I started thanking God. And the, the prayer just got longer and longer because it opened up. It got me in the gates and then it got me to the praise. And then it took time and it took strength. And I had to press through. I had other things to do, but I was pushing and I was trying to posture. I was like, I got to halfway try to live this message before I preach it on Sunday. And all the angels were like, that'd be nice. And then I was pushing and I felt a difference. There was a change in me. There was a, there was a trim. I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot when the Lord did that. And I, I forgot when that happened. I said to the Lord today in worship, Lord, it's almost ridiculous. You've done so much. How could I forget to thank you? And he knows our weakness. And his strength is enough to perfect in us. I wonder if this week we could try to posture ourselves in trembling, posture ourselves in kneeling, posture ourselves in front of him instead of behind him, and posture ourselves in talking to him. Just talk to him. Just thank him. Oh, the Lord, so kind, so good. The woman with the issue of blood, whose name is now daughter. The whatever you used to be, whose name is now son. Oh, the Lord's healed us and is healing us. Let's posture ourselves in gratitude. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you. Help us this week, today even, to not be nonchalant, but to tremble. To not bow up or put on our own strength, but to kneel. To not put ourselves in time out behind you, but to spend time in front of you. To not fuss and complain or talk about you, but to talk with you. Holy Spirit, help us. Give us some transformational moments like this woman had with you. Let us find you in the place of gratitude. As we close this prayer and this service, would you just say what you need to say to the Lord? Just whisper it to Him. Kneel before Him. Trembling because we know we haven't earned it, but he's just given it. Face to face in a conversation, talking to him. Say what you need to say to him. If you don't know, start with thank you. Thank you, Lord. Change me. Heal me. Make me who you meant me to be. Thank you. Lord, work in our life, we pray. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for who you're making us to be. We participate with you in posturing ourselves before you properly. Would you help us continue in this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to dismiss you.